Before we get into this episode, I wanted to let you know that I created a free companion workbook for this episode that walks you through the entire process that I mentioned. So you don't have to take notes, and you can return to the same process as many times as you need and find helpful. The link to download the free workbook is in the show notes below. Welcome Black Sheep, welcome South Asian women and femmes, welcome LGBTQ loves of all kind. My name is Roshni and this podcast is called Becoming Enough. I'm a self-worth coach and I'm here to help you learn to let go of your old life and the life that you built when you felt unloved and unworthy and welcome you into your new life of high self-worth where you know your value and you trust yourself fully. My greatest passion is talking to you about self-worth and this journey of loving ourselves and believing that we are enough. Get cozy, grab a cup of coffee, or get ready for your walk because this is going to be another beautiful episode. I hope you love it. Hello and welcome to another episode of the podcast. I'm so excited to get into this episode. We are going to be doing a deep dive into building up your mindset from a place of low self-worth to high self-worth. I talk about this all the time and why it's so important to change your mindset and do mindset work. And as much as I talk about the importance of it, I wanted to take an episode to really get into what that actually looks like. Also, I am getting over the flu, so if my voice sounds a little bit different, I am feeling much, much better, but um, my voice hasn't gotten fully back to normal yet, so that's why I sound a little bit different in this episode. It's also a very, very snowy day here in Colorado, so we got over a foot of snow today, and it's like seven degrees outside right now, so you may hear my heater on and off in the background. Normally, I turn my AC or my heater completely off when I'm recording an episode, but it is way too cold to do that today, and my little dog is at home with me too, so um, if you hear that in the background, I will try to make it as minimal as possible, but I do apologize about that as well. All right, but with all of that being said, let's go ahead and jump into this episode. So like I said, I want to do a deep dive into looking at your mindset and understanding how you can start to shift your mindset from one of low self-worth to high self-worth. But because this work, again, is so individual, it's so specific to certain situations, I wanted to give one example throughout this entire episode to kind of base things off of so that everything makes a little bit more sense and it can just be a little bit more clear. So the example that I'm going to use in this episode is a job interview. So jumping into it, step number one is really identifying a situation that triggers you or a pattern, right? So anytime you're doing any kind of mindset work, whether that's specifically around self-worth or anything else in your life, that initial mindset has to be understood. You have to understand where your thoughts are coming from and what they're telling you in order for you to then dissect them and then rebuild that thought pattern into something that is more healthy and more productive for you to believe. And while we do have these larger patterns of triggers, it's hard to understand a full pattern without understanding one circumstance of it first, right? So with the example of a job interview, there might be a lot of different things that come up for you mentally when you're thinking about interviewing for a new job or a job that you really want. And those triggers could be around imposter syndrome, being a person of color or a woman of color or a queer person going after this job, right? So then in your mind, you could go over stats or go over uh, just systemic issues that make it harder for people like us to get that kind of job. You could also potentially have triggers around finances. So um, a job that pays you more than you've ever been paid before could bring up a lot of triggers. Another trigger could be proving your worth through productivity or fulfilling others' needs, which then makes job interviews kind of a, a hot topic for you because there's a lot of worthiness wounds wrapped up into all of these things. If your worthiness wound is trying to prove your worth through productivity or trying to prove your worth through fixing others' problems and always being the one with all the answers and always being the one that's overprepared, it can make sense that you're already going into any job interview in kind of a triggered state. 
but you likely don't have all of that information from the start. So the main thing you know is that you don't like interviews and they make you nervous. And the things that you can look out for is how you sound or the things that you say either to yourself or to people around you that can then let you know, oh, I'm a little bit triggered right now. Like my worthiness wound is activated right now, right? And so that could be saying job interviews make me nervous. I just know I'm not going to get it. I'm so nervous. I am so scared. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what to expect. I might as well not even try because I know I'm not going to get it. I don't even want to go. This is stupid, right? So you might normally think those things about anything that scares you or that makes you nervous. And it's important to really understand what that sounds like literally in your voice. Because when you are speaking candidly with your friends or with your parents or with anyone else and you're saying these things, it's such an important insight that we have into how our mind is working, what our mind and what our body are trying to tell us. And that information can then teach you and guide you into what you need to do to offset those thoughts, right? So then the next time you hear yourself say, oh, blank makes me so nervous. I'm so scared. I don't know what to expect. You know, okay, this is how I sound when I'm triggered. So let me go to step number two, which is slowing down my thoughts. Let me slow down my thoughts and take a look at everything that I'm saying right now so I can see if it's true, so I can see if I actually believe it, or so I can create some distance between myself and these thoughts so that they don't feel so true and so overwhelming. So with step number two being slow down your thoughts, I mean slow everything down and really start to think about it. And I would say the first few times that you do this exercise, I would fully write everything down as much as we can slow things down in our mind, it's still easy to get wrapped up in it. Whereas when you write it down on a piece of paper, especially the first few times that you do these exercises, you realize, okay, there is distance between me and these thoughts. And it's so much easier to look at them from a rational perspective when they're on a piece of paper in front of you and not emotionally charged and running through your mind at full force. So I wrote down an example section of what this could sound like when you really slow down all of the thoughts that you're having and you get really candid and honest with yourself. So an example of that is this. This job is out of my league. What makes me think I can work there? I don't deserve this much money or responsibility. There are probably so many other applicants and there's no way I'm going to get it. They're all way more qualified than I am. I even got a C on that one paper in that one class and that just proves that I'm a failure and that I'm never gonna be any good at this. So by writing all of that down and looking at all of that, first of all, it does take a little bit of that power away because you're reading those as blank words on a paper and again, not these emotionally charged thoughts that are running through your mind and your body. But you're also giving yourself space to see what your thoughts are saying and what they remind you of. So the next step is to ask yourself the following four questions. But before you ask yourself anything, put your hand over your heart, maybe another hand over your belly, and just take a couple deep breaths and just feel yourself breathing in and breathing out because it's always so important to regulate your nervous system. The first question is, is this really true? Or even, is this always true? And the purpose of this question is to really calm down and start reflecting on what you're saying to yourself. Because we know by now that our thoughts and our words have power, right? They have power over us. They have influence over us. If someone tells you that you're stupid and useless and all these terrible things, that's not really going to make you feel that great. And if someone tells you that you're going to be okay and that everything's going to work out and that you're so skilled and strong and talented, that's going to affect you differently too, right? We know that consciously, but we don't always practice that or think about that when we are berating ourselves or when our inner critic is acting up or when we're going through all of these other thoughts in our mind. So you want to really take a minute here and process and reflect. Okay, is everything that I said really true? Does getting a C in that one class years and years and years ago really mean that I'm a failure, right? You're kind of calling into question 
the validity of these and you're allowing yourself to have a dialogue with yourself so that one perspective feels a little less true and a little less like it's taking over everything and it gives you some more space to say okay let me look at this a different way and excuse me if i said four questions at the beginning i meant five questions so ask yourself the following five questions so question number two is who does this voice sound like and this is actually one of my favorite parts of an inner critic exercise that I do all the time. I actually have a workshop on limiting beliefs uh, that I was temporarily selling and may put back out once again. Um, it was a workshop that was on sale on my shop and I worked through how to identify your limiting beliefs, how to identify your inner critic, and how to work yourself back up from that. Your inner critic is the internalized voice of your external bullies. When you really look at that paragraph that you wrote out in the second step and you say, okay, I'm telling myself X, Y, and Z, that actually sounds a lot like my mom. That sounds a lot like my older sister. That sounds like my dad, right? That e even sounds like my ex. Whoever these bullies are or whoever these voices are, and there can be more than one for sure, it's helpful to know that it was something or someone outside of yourself that created these thoughts within you and not your own self. You aren't the person who decided to bring yourself down this much. You aren't the person who one day woke up and decided to believe all of these things. They came from somewhere and they came from outside of you. And knowing that actually makes me feel more empowered to take back control over my own thoughts and not to let that critic win, not to let these voices or these thoughts win, right? Because ultimately, you know that that you believe in yourself more and that you aren't the originator or the creator of these thoughts, meaning that you really can take down their power because who is anyone else to say something to you? Using that question to understand the source of these thoughts, of these beliefs, of these habits, of these patterns is really, really, really helpful because again, you can let go of how deeply that mindset has been internalized and start distancing yourself so that you can take your power back. Question number three, how does believing this protect me? This is such an important question as well because Every inner critic voice has a purpose, and more often than not, that purpose is to shield you from shame. The reason that you took your biggest bully and you started to take their thoughts or their words on as your own is so that if you can predict what they would say, you can choose your behavior based on that, right? So if you have a, a classroom bully who makes fun of you every time you wear a pink t-shirt, you can start to think to yourself, pink is bad, pink is stupid, pink is ugly. So then you start modifying your actions and never wearing pink clothes. When you don't wear pink clothes, you're responding to shame and allowing shame of previously wearing pink and being bullied for it to then make a decision for you that will prevent that kind of attack. We internalize that voice so that we can better protect ourselves. And when you realize, okay, as much as I hate this inner critic, as much as I hate this inner bully or this person or this voice who is always putting me down and making me believe terrible things about myself, I also know that if it didn't work or if it didn't have a purpose, it wouldn't be here. And when you know that that purpose, more often than not, is to prevent you from experiencing shame in the future, it's also easier to be a little bit more compassionate with that voice, but ultimately more compassionate with yourself. Because when you look at yourself as this person who just doesn't want to be ashamed of themselves, who doesn't want to be hurt, who doesn't want to experience shame, it's easier to say, wow, you know what? You're under a lot of pressure right now. Let's take some of that pressure off. What can we do? What can we start thinking that 
will make life a little bit easier for us right now, that will make the next task a little bit easier for us right now. So understanding how it functions as your coping mechanism is a really great tool to then, again, scale out and look at these patterns as a whole. Question number four is, how does believing this hold me back? And this allows you to shift your perspective because when you're trying to protect yourself, and especially when you're trying to protect yourself from shame, that's a pretty motivating factor. Shame is such a deeply entrenched and felt human emotion. Shame equals death, right? Shame actually processes like grief, like death in the body. And when you think about it, you know, our very long ago ancestors needed each other to survive. If you were shamed out of a community or if you didn't fit in, that could equal death. So it does process very differently in the body and it is very motivating. But when you start looking at, okay, well, I'm protecting myself from shame, you want to go that route, right? So following that question up by then saying, well, how is this holding me back? That's such an important perspective because that allows you to refocus on your goals, to refocus on a growth mindset, and to ultimately start shifting your mindset and your perspective so you can find a bigger motivator in the right direction. When you ask yourself that, right, for example, with this job interview perspective, okay, believing that I'm not going to get this job and that I shouldn't even go for the interview and that I'm wasting everyone's time protects me from being rejected. It protects me from feeling unqualified. It protects me from feeling like I'm not good enough. And when I look at how these thoughts are holding me back, it's holding me back from advancing my career. It's lowering my confidence because I'm stopping myself from trying new things before I even give it one shot. It's preventing myself from having new experiences and then gaining more experience towards other interviews in the future. And ultimately, it's stopping me from reaching my goals. So when you look at it that way, you're like, okay, one side is protecting me and I can see the value in that. But at the same time, being so protected also means that I'm not achieving anything, right? You're never going to experience anything new in your comfort zone. Getting to the other side, crossing that boundary of your comfort zone and trying something new, even if all else fails, it's a good story and you get experience, right? You still gain something even if you don't get the job. So by breaking it down for yourself that simply you're allowing yourself to see, okay, I'm helped by this and I'm hurt by this. And it gives you again the power back to say, if I could choose either, I choose going for my goals even if I don't get it because at least I can say I tried. Whereas if I don't try anything, that means I gave up on myself before I could even see what I can accomplish. And then the fifth and last question in this section is how does believing this make me feel? We are asking that question about the original negative paragraph or set of thoughts that you wrote. This piece is really important because you're recognizing your emotional state and you're recognizing how your body feels at the time of thinking these thoughts. So if you've ever wanted to know is this my intuition or am I second guessing myself? Is this my intuition or do I not believe in myself, right? That thought and that question has crossed my mind so many times and I have been like in the depths, like I have gone through it asking myself that question um, from time to time because I mentally used to drive myself around in circles not knowing if I was missing this huge opportunity or, you know, if if I needed to do one thing or another and, you know, I, I felt like I frantically needed to make a change. I needed to impulsively do this thing and I would keep wondering, do I really just go for it or 
you know, do I need to think about this? Like I, I never knew if it was my intuition or if I was overthinking. So if you've ever wondered, is it my intuition or am I overthinking, second guessing and doubting myself? Understanding your physiological state will help you decide if it's your intuition or not. Not even decide, it'll help you know. When your intuition truly knows something, it's at peace, it's calm right? And everyone probably experiences their intuition in different ways. You may just know things and that's kind of how it works for me. You may feel it in your body. There may be like a certain sensation that you get in your body that happens every time you just know something or you just feel something, right? So that in itself also takes a little bit of practice, but you probably have some ideas as to what that would be right now. And then when you are overthinking, when you are second guessing, when you are self-doubting, that feels a little bit more like panic. That feels like I'm already behind, I'm too late, I need to do this, I need to do it now, I need to make this change, I won't be X if I don't do Y. Um, all of those thoughts that kind of hit you like a whirlwind when you're like anger cleaning your bathroom or like angrily doing your dishes and you know like that's I'm laughing because I've been in that situation so many times where I'm angry cleaning and overthinking and I just like cannot figure out what to do and I'm wondering the entire time is this my intuition and with your intuition it's never going to feel like something snuck up on you and is taking you over that's more at least in my experience what anxiety feels like what panic feels like so by recognizing your emotional and physiological state at the time of going through all of those thoughts and all of those worries, you can get to know yourself and get to know your body and say, okay, every time I have this flurry of thoughts that are telling me that I'm not good enough, my heart starts beating really fast, I start getting out of breath, my palms start sweating, I feel nauseous, I feel like I have to lay down, right? Whatever those cues are, your body is always talking to you and the more that you can get comfortable listening the more ultimately information and knowledge you have about yourself i do also want to mention here that while a lot of my focus in this episode is about writing things down asking yourself questions you know using journaling or using prompts um, and using your thoughts I would be remiss if I didn't mention that embodiment is one of the most important aspects of healing and personal growth work period, but also rebuilding your self-worth. And I'm going to get into this in a later episode, but regulating your nervous system is so, so important for South Asian women and femmes and for black sheep. Um, especially because a lot of us have dysregulated nervous systems to begin with. When you can't express yourself freely in childhood, when you have to be someone you're not, when you have to pretend to, you know, um, like all these things or do all these things, you are shutting down your inner voice and your intuition from a very young age. And again, going back to your intuition, that's why it's so hard for some of us to know, is this my intuition or am I feeling overwhelmed? right? Am I overthinking? And that, again, that distinction, like knowing this information is literally priceless because I can't tell you how many meltdowns I've had over this. And I'm sure that you've had these same thoughts and concerns as well. Step number three is to ask your, I mentioned regulating your nervous system before you even do any of this. It's really important that when you are doing deeper mindset work that you're coming at it as much as you possibly can from a place of calm and that you're not, again, like over-triggering yourself, overwhelming yourself. Because when you're in a state of high anxiety and then you're like scribbling down these prompts and you're like pushing so hard that like your pen explodes or your pencil breaks, right? Like, and you're just like, you're, you're not in a state of mind that you can process things and think through things. Healing work also involves removing stored trauma from your body. So we all know things like hip openers and yoga and different exercises, even chest openers, heart openers can help release emotion that's stored in your body. EFT is one of my favorite things to teach and to practice with clients. And that also helps uh, release a lot of stored emotion in your body. So your body 
is always giving you cues. But again, just like our intuition, when we're not listening to it, it can either stop talking to us or it can go to a place that's so drastic that we have to listen, right? Kind of like when you're tired and you refuse to rest, eventually you burn out or you get sick or something happens because your body will make you listen. So moving forward into step number four. We're taking a quick break from this episode to talk about the magic of self-worth coaching sessions. All of my self-worth coaching sessions are individualized and personalized to meet you where you are. This is really about finding you where you are in your journey of healing your self-worth and building your self-worth, as well as undoing the life that you built when you felt unloved and unworthy. And we really do a deep dive into how you're feeling right now and the thoughts and habits that are going on within your mindset that are continuing the patterns that you're living over and over again. Because a lot of us come from difficult or traumatic backgrounds, these sessions are not built for you to revisit your trauma or to talk about all of your most painful memories. Of course, I'm always here to hold space for you if that is what you need to do, but life coaching isn't about diving into the past. It's about meeting you where you are and seeing what we can do to make little tweaks to move forward. One of the biggest pillars of my coaching sessions as well is that you are the expert on your own life, meaning that this isn't about me telling you what to do or telling you how to live or the changes you need to make. What we're doing together is working on your mindset and building up certain habits or thought patterns that allow you to communicate with yourself, to deepen your self-trust, and to follow your own intuition. And the difference between a self-worth coaching session with me and a session with a different life coach is that I understand understand the black sheep experience and I understand what it's like to go through life being raised as a South Asian woman or femme. Our experiences are unique and it can be so frustrating when you're trying to explain to a coach or to a therapist how our family systems work. But my biggest passion is helping you see that no matter where you came from or what kind of family you were raised in, you absolutely deserve to be loved, seen, and heard. Your first coaching session is always available at a discount. You can learn more about self-worth coaching at my website, www.bettygrewup.com. That's B-E-T-I grewup.com. And if you'd like a payment plan for your intro session or for any other coaching sessions, just fill out the contact form on my website so that I can get back to you with more information and a payment plan that works for you. You can find my website linked below in the show notes. Now, back to our episode. This is where we take another deep breath and write a response. So right now, I'm only looking at the cons. What's really true about this situation? What do I really need to hear right now? And by asking yourself that and then answering that question in a calm way, it really gives you a way to check in with a different voice, right? Because most likely that voice that initially came up was an inner critic or an inner bully. But you have inner wisdom as well. You have an inner mentor, right? So you have other voices that you can tap into. And again, that's why it's so important to create distance between yourself and the inner critic because it's so easy to think that that's you and to think that you're right and that you know yourself best and X, Y, Z. And, you know, so this is just the way it has to be. And you write yourself off, right? You're giving away your power. And when you think about that inner critic not actually being your voice and starting with your outside bully, you're ultimately giving them your power. And that's what we do not do here. Asking yourself, is this really true? And what do I need to hear? Gives you a place to then tap into that inner mentor or tap into that inner wisdom. So I wrote out a response. And again, I'm going to start and I'm going to read the original paragraph of the negative thoughts you were having. And then I'm going to read the response to them. So here's the original negative thoughts. This job is out of my league. What makes me think I can work there? I don't deserve this much money or responsibility. There are probably so many other applicants and there's no way I'm going to get it. They all are way more qualified than I am. And I even got a C on that one paper and that just proves that I'm a failure and that I'm never going to be good at this. And then here is the written response. It's just a job interview. Yes, I do really want that job. 
but I also know that there will be other jobs for me if I don't get this one. I'm qualified and I'm great at what I do. And for all the new things that come up, I know that I'm dedicated and smart enough to learn them. There will always be a learning curve with a new job too. I'm capable of handling responsibility. I deserve to be compensated well for my work. And this job doesn't define me or my worth. Even if I don't get this job, I still know that I'm good enough and worthy of another great job. I can't control how many applicants there are or how qualified they are, but all I can do is be prepared and put my best self forward. And I promise myself that I can do that. Plus, even though I got a C in that class, I still graduated. I've had tons of great opportunities since then and any mistake or failure that I've ever had, I've always bounced back from. And just listen to that difference, right? One comes from a place where you can almost hear the heart beating, you can hear the palms sweating, you can hear just the, the fast pace of these words. And again, this is kind of what my body reacts like, how my thoughts sound. So you may not always have like a rush of, you know, overwhelming fast-paced thoughts. That's why it's so important to know your unique bodily reactions and how your body specifically reacts to it because everyone could have different reactions in different ways that the inner critic and the inner mentor sound. For me, when I'm overwhelmed, when I'm overthinking, when I'm doubting myself, I am going over and over and over and over, saying the same things, being really fast-paced, really critical of everything. I cannot see the positive side. Everything is just focused on negativity and how much things are hard, how much they're worse for me than anyone else, right? A lot of those patterns, again, you start to recognize them in different areas of your life. And that's why this work is so powerful, because eventually when you start recognizing what your thoughts sound like every time you get triggered, every time you get nervous, every time you doubt yourself, it's easier to say, oh wait, I'm slipping into this kind of thinking, but I know that's not me. I know that's not the real me. And then you take that power back and you allow your thoughts to then reroute. You allow yourself to look for a different pathway, a different mindset to get to your next destination. And step number five is to create an action plan, right? So again, in this situation, we're talking about a job interview, but this could just as well be applied to before and after a date or even a new relationship or setting boundaries with your parents, whatever situation it is for you that's um, that you're working through, this same action plan can be created. But for this particular scenario, I created four parts of this action plan. Number one is before the interview. Number two is after the interview. Number three is if I get the job. And number four is if I don't get the job. So with before the interview, for example, it would be things like eat a good breakfast or eat a healthy breakfast that will keep me full because when I don't eat, I'm more prone to anxiety and overthinking. Map everything out so that I know where I'm going. I personally, if I've never been to an interview location before, I like to drive there before I ever do the interview at least once so that I know what to expect, I know what kind of traffic to expect, I know exactly where I'm going, uh, because a lot of those little things can really wig me out when I'm already nervous and I'm already in kind of a heightened state of anxiety. That could be something else that you do, um, you know, before you have the interview at all. You could also, you know, go over um, affirmations every day, you could pick out your outfit that uh, the night before, plan enough time to wake up early and have a slow morning so that you're not rushed. So things like that are good examples of what you can do before the interview, a few days before and then the morning of, so that you know what to expect. And then the same thing with after the interview, right? It's really great to prepare some sort of reward for yourself afterwards, or at least have something to look forward to, so that when you are feeling that anxiety, when you are in that state of, okay, this is something that triggers me into thinking that I'm not good enough, this is hard because like it's the day of the thing, I'm here, like I need coping mechanisms. And a lot of the time we can reach for something unhealthy or do something that's damaging us and not actually helping us put our best foot forward. So your plan for 
after the job interview could be, I'm driving to my favorite cafe, I'm picking up my favorite coffee and a really good sandwich, I'm going home, and I'm going to eat that while I watch Gilmore Girls. That, to me, is something I would look forward to, right? <laughs> um, it could even be like, I'm going to go to Target and I'm going to buy that candle that I've been wanting. I'm going to, you know, what, whatever those things are that really excite you and give you something to look forward to, it's nice to have it right after the event that is triggering you because then you're already looking forward to it from even before the interview. And it also doesn't depend on the result. So if you only reward yourself, if you get the job, for example, you are almost connecting your worth to the fact that you'll get it, right? Like I'm only good enough for this reward if I get the job. And until I know I get the job, I'm not gonna do anything to reward myself because I don't deserve it. I don't deserve it yet right? And it could be weeks after you interview to know if you've actually gotten something or not. So you still want to have something right after that you look forward to, that you're excited about, um, even something that calms you down, whatever it is that gets you through the little tough moments, it can be really nice to have that to look forward to and to expect. And just knowing after this interview, whether I get the job or whether I bomb it, I'm going to get my favorite meal, and I'm gonna watch Gilmore Girls. <laughs> and that's all you have to focus on at that time, right? But that brings me to my last two, which is what to do if you get the job and what to do if you don't get the job. And again, I think it can be helpful to have these mechanisms in place, but you can always change your mind, right? If you don't get the job and you still wanna go out with your friends and celebrate and say, you know what, I did the damn thing. I went for an interview that I was terrified for, I don't care, I'm still gonna celebrate myself and then I'll just go out for, you know, my next interview, my apply to my next job. Having kind of a plan, especially when it's an area that you get triggered around, that you have worthiness wounds around, can really help you say, okay, I'm not gonna let myself go off the rails, I'm not gonna let myself get sucked into this feeling of not being worthy, not being good enough, because it takes some of that decision-making away in that moment, so that if you're prone to grabbing a glass of wine every time something doesn't work out well, you can maybe have something else in mind or something else in place so that you don't reach for that coping mechanism that may not be that healthy, right? And again, this all depends on where you are, what your journey is, and what you're comfortable with right now. So for example, you could say, if I get this job interview, I'm going out with my friends, we're gonna go get dinner, um, and it's just gonna be a really fun night, and I'm not gonna think about anything, I'm not going to um, do anything except for what I wanna do that night, because I'm celebrating myself. And that could be what your plan is if you get the interview. Um, that could also be your plan if you don't get the interview. You could say, regardless of the result, I'm going out with my friends for dinner. And this, again, all goes back to your individual coping mechanisms, what's going to make you feel good, and what's going to help you connect to your worth. If doing the same thing, whether you get it or whether it doesn't go your way, is what is going to make you feel worthy, that's what you do. That's what you do because you need that reminder. But if you know yourself and you know, okay, if I don't get the job, I need a night to myself. I'm an introvert. I don't want to tell anybody about it. I want to deal with it on my own because I don't like being rejected. But then I'll talk to my friends about it and tell everyone what happened tomorrow. So if that's more your speed and you already know that about yourself, you could say, you know what? If I don't get the job, then I'm going to watch the entire season 12 of Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. That's my plan if I don't get the job and then I'm going to sleep in the next day and then I'm going to get back on my grind. I'm going to call my friend, I'm going to tell her what happened, and then I'm going to dust myself off and just try applying for something else. And this is also why I prioritize one-on-one -on -one self-worth coaching because so many coaches out there or so many business coaches will say you'll only be successful successful or you'll only have a scalable business if you have online courses if you have online memberships if you have this if you have that and it's not to say that that won't ever be in my future or that's never something that i'll do it may be if i feel called to it one day but I know that one-on-one -on -one coaching is truly where I thrive and where my passion is because there's so much about self-worth, there's so much about your background, about worthiness wounds that are dependent on who you are and on your personality and on 
all these other factors that are going on in your life, right? So by having that individualized perspective, you're able to create better decisions and you're able to get better results because you're only worrying about the things that apply to you or the way that your specific mindsets and patterns work, right? Of course, you can do this work on your own and that's exactly why I'm making this episode um, because I want you to know that this work can be very accessible and can be done by you and that you have the power to start this kind of healing work as well. So moving forward into our sixth and final step here, the final step is just to repeat and review. And by repeat, I mean when you notice yourself being triggered by a first date after you did this exercise with a job interview, or if you start to find yourself triggered about your first day of work, if you are noticing that you're really sensitive around your parents talking about your weight, right? Whatever those things are, find, you know, those other things that you notice. Oh, this kind of sounds like a worthiness wound. Oh, this kind of feels in my body like a worthiness wound. Oh, I'm hearing a lot of the same thoughts that I wrote down the other day. Or I'm hearing a lot of the, my trigger phrases whenever I'm talking to my friends about X, Y, and Z. Live your life and just take some time. And as you notice the same patterns coming up in your thoughts, in your body, in your conversations, you can repeat this process. Look at what you are saying. Put those words in front of you. Respond to those words. Ask yourself questions about those words to get more familiar with that set of thoughts and that set of patterns. Then creating an action plan. But then the most important part of this is really reviewing and seeing where are the patterns? What is true about my worthiness wounds in almost every case that I've seen so far? What is the same about all of these issues or these thoughts or these habits that I'm struggling with? So that first question is, what patterns do I see with my triggers? And that could be the area of life. That could be all your inner, inner critic thoughts sounding like one person or a couple of people. Um, and that could also be how you feel, right? Every time I get this weird twitch in my eye, I know that I'm feeling not good enough. Every time I start to scratch the back of my head, like I don't know what's going on, I know that I'm being triggered and that I'm not feeling good enough. So taking that time to really reflect these are the patterns that I notice then gives you more information to build better action steps or to make better decisions or to avoid certain things or do more of other things, right? And all of that helps you then curate your life so that you have more peace of mind, so that you're living a, a life that is not full of triggers or so that you're working through those triggers so that they're not holding you back from all the things that you wanna accomplish. Because trust me, when you don't believe in yourself, you take one step forward, two steps back, and it's exhausting. And you feel like a rubber band going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And this is exactly how so many areas of my life has been, including my business, right? I've had so many times where I don't believe in myself, don't believe in my work, don't believe in my business, don't think I'll ever get clients. And there's other times where I'm like, gosh, I see how much I'm helping people. I see my worth. I see my value before anyone else sees it. I know this work is important. This work has changed my life, you know, but you go back and forth, back and forth, and it feels so exhausting. So when you can look at these patterns, this is what's coming up for me. And, and slowly, step by step, you're taking little steps in the right direction of believing in yourself, being able to move towards your goals without taking two steps back every single time, right? That's when you start seeing the growth and the progress. Also, I don't know if I said there were four questions, but there are actually three. And the second one is more of a statement than a question. Uh, but it says, when I recognize a trigger or thought pattern, I will blank, right? And so that could just be, I'm going to work through this workbook every time. Every time that I notice a trigger, um, at least for, you know, the next month or until the end of the year. I'm going to work through this workbook with different scenarios, different triggers that come to mind over and over again until I start learning patterns. And again, don't get, um, if you can help it, don't 
start to feel like you have to do this compulsively or like you're not going to be able to grow if you don't do this or if you don't do it perfectly. Nothing about healing is perfect. Nothing about healing is linear. The messier, the healier. (laughs) I like you are going to be fine. You don't have to do this perfectly. You don't have to do this every day. You don't have to obsess about this. Um, These are just tools that are here for you, right? But every time I recognize a trigger or thought pattern, I will dot, dot, dot. And so, you know, for me, that's sometimes that's just like, if it's possible, I'm going to lay down. Or if it's possible, I'm going to put my hand on my heart and just take a deep breath, right? It doesn't have to be anything over the top. Um, It could even be doing a little short EFT round, right? You can do EFT in the bathroom at work and you don't have to be loud about it or even speak it out loud. It's better to do something than nothing, even if you're just thinking it, right? And tapping on certain parts of your body in a bathroom stall. You could run to your car and do that, you know, or you. I've meditated and done EFT right before job interviews all the time. So whatever those little things are, whatever that one thing is that you know is going to calm you down, right? It could even just be, I'm going to go get a glass of water or I'm going to ask for a glass of water. So no matter where I am or, you know, what I'm doing, I know that I most likely can get a glass of water or I'm going to bring my water bottle everywhere anyway. I'm just going to take a few sips of water, try to breathe. That can be all you do. Knowing that And having that action plan in the back of your mind can be such a beautiful way to kind of reel yourself in. And the more that you practice that certain action step, the more that you're then training your body and training your mind, okay, when I do this behavior, I'm calming down. I'm refocusing, I'm recentering, I'm grounding. The third and final question of this step is what habits, behaviors, and thoughts can I practice that keep me calm and help my peace of mind? So again, this goes back to understanding those patterns overall can give you the information to do this, but Even if you just do this exercise once, right? Maybe one of your best practices for booking job interviews is that if you can help it, you try not to book more than two in the same week or you try not to book, you know, more than one in the same day. And I know this sounds crazy, but y'all, the job market out there, we all know is insane. Things happen really quickly. So, you know, things kind of have to happen how they happen. And especially if you're really looking for a job and you don't have a lot of time, you may have quite a few interviews lined up in a certain week. But if you, you know, know, okay, I get really easily overwhelmed. The job interview process in itself is very difficult and very triggering for me. I know that I'm not going to do my best or put my best foot forward in any interviews if I have more than two in a week. And at that point, if I know I'm not going to do my best, if I know I'm going to be triggered, if I know I'm going to be stressed and overwhelmed, then there's no point in having all these interviews because I'm wasting my own time. And I'm putting my body through a lot of stress that I don't need to. Certain rules can then help you manage your anxieties better, manage a lot of the things that are stressing you out or that are making you not feel good enough a little bit better. And this could also be something totally random. Throughout this entire job interview process, no matter how many interviews I go to, how many jobs I apply for, I'm going to read a novel for 30 minutes at night every night, whether that day was good, whether that day was bad. I'm going to journal every morning um, for, for 20 minutes, whether I'm excited about my day or whether I'm dreading it. Whatever those little things are, whether they directly have to do with the thing you're stressed about or not, those can be just best practices for your life, best practices for being yourself that help you become your best self. And again, it's not that these certain habits or things that you're doing are going to fix your entire life, but allowing you to cultivate even just one small part of your day that you do for your own mental health, that you do for yourself, is so valuable. It's so important. And it shows you that little bit of self-love. And doing it on the days even when you don't feel like it also shows you that self-trust and that self-respect that, hey, even when things aren't so easy or so fun or even when I'm having a bad day, I'm my priority. I care about myself. I love myself. I know I am worthy because I'm not attaching the results of the day to whether I reward myself. And that is power. That is powerful. 
So that does bring us to the end of this episode. I had so much fun getting really nitty gritty in this episode and breaking everything down. So um, if you have other examples of things or if you have certain questions about this process or other things that I can get really specific about, please, please let me know. You can always send me a DM on Instagram at BETIGREWUP or if you don't have Instagram, uh, you can always send me an email at hello at BettyGrewUp.com. Um, that is going to be such a helpful way for me to continue getting more and more specific and, um, kind of in the weeds with how to do this work and where you can start. So as always, thank you so, so much for listening. I have created a workbook for this entire process. I am so, so excited about it. So this is my self-worth workbook that I've created and it is linked in the show notes. Make sure you grab it for yourself. Every single journal prompt, every single exercise that I mentioned in this podcast is already pre-written in a workbook for you that you can download. It is free. Um, so I'm extra excited about creating this for you. And um, because it's free, you can also print out more than one copy so you can use it anytime you are experiencing a worthiness wound trigger. Um, and you can, you know, repeat this process as many times that it, as it is helpful to you. As always, you also know that you can find a link to book a self-worth coaching session with me in the show notes as well. Your intro, your very first session with me is always offered at a discount. And if you need a payment plan or need anything else like that, and as always, if you need a payment plan, please also be sure to fill out the contact form on my website, www.bettygrewup.com, so that I can reach out to you and find a plan that works for you. Sending you so, so much love, and I hope you take care. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Becoming Enough. I am so, so grateful to have you here and that you listened to the entire episode. If you found that this episode helped you in any way, please share it on Instagram and tag me at B-E-T-I grew up. And if you'd like to support another way, I would really appreciate any donation of any kind. There's going to be a link in the show notes where you can donate or write a review on Apple Podcasts. Those reviews help me so, so much and they help other people like us find the podcast as well if you'd like to take our journey a step further and work together you can find the information on how to book a tarot reading or a self-worth coaching session in the show notes below thank you again and i hope you have a beautiful week ahead